Hey guys, so this week we're doing things a little differently and we've actually uh, are using Zoom to bring our guest on today. So with that being said, I, I hope you enjoy it and welcome back to Compassion and Company. Welcome back to Compassion and Company. You're here with Jen Miles and Raven Mouse. Uh, he is a semi-pro soccer player in Norway. So Raven, do you want to tell us a little about yourself and we'll get going from there? Yeah, um, uh, I don't know. I'm a transgender athlete and I did play soccer in Norway and then mm -hmm. I came home to have my top surgery. So um, mm. now I, for the past like year and a half, I've been in Canada, like two years, mm -hmm. almost now. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I've been at, <laughs> just recovering from that. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. So how long have you been back in Vancouver? Are you in Vancouver right now? Yeah, since uh, last, or two summers ago. I came back, yeah, mm -hmm. July two summers ago. Okay, rad, rad. Yeah. All right, well, why don't we just dive right in? So, what do you know about self-compassion, and do you practice it? Um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I for sure do my best to... <laughs> be kind to the self after it's like really yes. stressful being a trans athlete it's like yeah. incredibly stressful so you kind of have to uh to keep going so yeah i would really love to hear about your experience like in norway and playing as a trans athlete because you were playing in a in a women's league correct yeah and i still do but i also train yeah. with like men as well it's something that's mm -hmm. pretty common even if you're not trans like to do because mm -hmm. there's not right. really there's no professional league here anymore Oh, so, right. so um, how do you think, how, how did you show self-compassion during that time for you? Because you were probably crazy busy with training, I assume, and like all of that. So um, what was that like for you? I mean, the time was probably the hardest year of my life. Uh, like, mm. I mean, I wasn't and I'm still not accepted by my family. So mm. uh, going through that time of... Um, that was the first time I, I came out actually in sports uh, mm -hmm. while I was there. So like mm -hmm. I, I was too scared and I felt like I was just drowning because like being born in a body that people mm -hmm. feel like they have an opinion about all the time mm -hmm. is really stressful. And so it was just mm -hmm. like literally <laughs> I felt like my like I guess compassion stuff that I would do was just so basic because that's the only thing I could do so like shaving with the shaving with earth wind and fire playing or like you know mm. stuff that was super basic go for a swim when there's nobody on the beach or mm -hmm. very basic things to like anything to feel like a little bit of relief mm -hmm. was kind of what I tried to do because again you had to perform as well you have all of this like you know, being in a foreign country, you don't have any friends and you don't speak the language fluently. So mm -hmm. on top of that, so there's like a lot of pressure all around. So like mm -hmm. literally anything to feel better was yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. And when you say perform, is that in regards to, you mean soccer or like, mm -hmm. okay, yeah. Yeah, because I mean, yeah. like we were number one at the league for a, like a chunk of time. So- wow we really couldn't like <laughs> not do well. And also like being Canadian in the semi-pro league, nobody knows anything about you. So mm -hmm. everything that you did was starting a portfolio. 
So mm-hmm. if I wanted to go pro, which I still try, I'm trying to do, um, mm-hmm. nobody knows anything about you. So you have to make a good impression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Especially being a trans athlete because um, there's just like a lot of taboo with it. So. Yeah. What, yeah. what do you mean by taboo? Well, people are uncomfortable by our presence mm-hmm. in sports. Yeah. Uh, kind of like the best uh, um, example I can give is kind of like, uh, it's similar to, from my experience. Everything is like I'm speaking about is through my experience. Every athlete in a different sport, different mm-hmm. um, like race or gender that they were assigned has a different experience in sports. So that's important to remember. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But... Uh, for me, it's kind of like reminded me a lot of the bathrooms where um, you're fine to be going there. You're doing nothing wrong, but still people are kind mm-hmm. of wary about you being in there, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So yeah. So being like a he him playing in women's soccer, people are kind of like, oh, like, how, how does that work? And like, <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah. So you kind of gotta have a good mm-hmm. good game on yeah like that really challenges i feel like your resiliency and your i mean i can't even just imagine that and i think that was a really good example you gave about the bathroom yeah um, it's the easiest like example and also mm-hmm. like people i think in like sports they it's like i don't know they they're very um, that's their space. That's a women's space or that's a men's space. And so mm-hmm. if you challenge like that, uh, sometimes, you know, and people dedicate their lives to these sports in high levels. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes get people get a little like, whoa, what's going on here? So, <laughs> yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. And especially just with that like binary being like so ingrained in so many people and so many people just feel very like entitled to maintaining it. Mm-hmm. for sure it, for sure and even like in sports they're very yeah. open to discuss medical things because it's just mm-hmm. a weird sports culture thing where they're like oh mm-hmm. i did my acl surgery the other day or something mm-hmm. like that and then when you're trans it's like you know um medical like i don't know people sometimes will ask you medical questions very nonchalantly and you mm-hmm. know it's it's tough uh sometimes to be in that environment totally mm. and it's really none of their their business to it's nobody's be business no. it's, not, it's nobody's business but oh people God, feel I'm entitled sorry. to know because like yeah. again I, they feel like i'm in their space or like or they just don't understand and they want to know so that's the only way they think they can like ask mm-hmm. so yeah it's a it's an interesting experience yeah and i, I think there's a lot of ways to become educated and it's not always going to the source or like a person you know it's like yeah for sure you shouldn't expect someone to teach you about what it means to be trans or what it means to be black and experience racism or any of those things you know yeah for sure um how do you think showing self-compassion changed in the duration of your time in uh germany or norway sorry i was so overwhelmed in every way um also just seeing the amount of like gross news articles of how trans athletes are you know 
like mm. negative in, in sports and, and culture. So um, it just, I was in the worst headspace that could be. So anything to like, yeah, literally I would shave my peach fuzz and like that would make me feel better because I could feel the stubbles on my face and I'm like you know what like that's awesome so I didn't have top surgery mm. by this point so mm-hmm. you know everything about me just felt really <laughs> garbage so so literally doing things like that kept me going um mm. listening to my nice music going for a walk in nature um yeah yeah so I mean it got easier when I had top surgery because I had more of a capacity to do things I wasn't drowning anymore so then uh, it definitely evolved because I had more capacity to evolve in that way. Mm. Um, but in Norway, it was just incredibly like overwhelming. Um, mm-hmm. Great experience. I don't regret anything, but it was definitely like, <laughs> I mean, I'm proud to have done it and to have really good results. But yeah, it was it was just such a massive <laughs> time. So, mm-hmm. so. So I definitely like coming back home and having my surgery. Um, I have like way more capacity to explore myself. And how how was that for you? Like that must have felt amazing. I mean, maybe I'm making an assumption, but no, I mean no, yeah. fair. It's a good assumption. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it was it was wild. Um, like it for like a year and a bit I was in crisis and then mm-hmm. um and my I my surgery got delayed mm-hmm. um so that put me further to the edge and so it was just mm-hmm. like you know I don't know how I can keep this up like I just you know this is too much I'm so tired <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh then I got my surgery date um like uh I came out and it went really poorly but um I at least like anticipated that um but mm-hmm. I was surrounded by my friends when I had surgery and mm-hmm. it was interesting because it was the first time I really like slept in a long time <laughs> so mm-hmm. when I woke up it was just like this immediate feeling of being safe um wow. which doesn't happen that often uh mm-hmm. so I just like woke up just knowing that I was okay and and mm-hmm. immediately I was out of crisis it was mm-hmm. the weirdest and most it was like a reverse car crash where it's like there's an event and immediately you're okay it was so like whoa you know as opposed mm-hmm. to car crash being like oh i'm not okay like what's going on here it's like it was super interesting to feel and um from then on i was able to really see like who i was because i wasn't in such constant distress um mm-hmm. so that was an amazing thing um yeah could like take care of myself a little bit easier because I mean I had such a I had such energy going into just trying to survive every day and then you know having surgery I was more myself and then I had you know yeah I've looked the way I thought I've always like looked you know yeah so Mm -hmm. then yeah I had way more energy to put towards like self-compassion and self-growth because Mm-hmm. you know all my energy wasn't going towards okay getting mentally prepared to be misgendered every day and you know yeah. being told these really dehumanizing things all the time so wow yeah so it definitely helped a lot yeah yeah I hadn't even thought about all the energy that probably goes into 
that daily having to be like defensive and ready for everything gendering oh my god yeah oh my god you're so strong where are you now with um self-compassion and just like your journey now like uh i'm pretty good it's uh i just move out so um i'm now not being misgendered every day uh i mean i still have a lot of family stress but mm-hmm. um at least like i feel more connected to myself um mm-hmm. for many many years i disconnected from myself to get through things and um and now i think now that i'm not constantly on edge uh and i yeah from being surrounded by like being unaccepted every single second of your day um i can see uh i'm relearning how to sleep and eat properly you know Mm -hmm. and um yeah like i'm being more connected to myself so uh Mm -hmm. it's like a very vulnerable time because i think like now the things that I went through with transphobic events are now processing finally, which they need to be Mm -hmm. done. It's hard, but it's like Mm -hmm. now that I'm not in immediate distress, I can like process and like, you know, really sit with what I've been through and, and and what I want to do moving forward. So it's tough, but it's really good and it feels really great. So it's like growing pains, you know? So it's, it's good. I, yeah, it's, it's really nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That totally reminds me of that saying, it's like, you can't heal where you've been hurt. Mm-hmm. So, like, you've now been able to get out of those situations of being misgendered. I mean, I'm still in them, but not yeah. every day. Yeah. Sorry, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess not as aggressively. Um, mm-hmm. And now you're having, like, so much more space to heal and explore yourself, and that's Literally. so yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, for example, I didn't know I was, like, bi for forever until I had mm-hmm. surgery, and I was able to, like, not worry about as much. Mm-hmm. So, like, even things like that, or just, like, seeing how... I'm actually a very relaxed person. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> but but being constantly, like, you know, triggered and uptight, it was like, holy fuck, like, I have no chill. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's actually kind of nice to see, like, these traits as, as things kind of fizzle down around you mm-hmm. every day so it's good totally. it's really nice yeah it must be so fun like getting to know yourself you're like wow I didn't know this about me like that's right yeah <laughs> for sure for sure I mean like I think I mean deep down you do but even just yeah. like um just yeah I don't know just uh processing through things you know I started like um I'm on route to getting like a psych diagnosis Mm-hmm. And that's a huge thing for me. So I'm I'm really excited of like the growth that's going on. So and like mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It feels really good to get more connected. Yeah. Totally. How do you think your upbringing in uh, like West Vancouver, for example, has shaped the way you understand self compassion or influenced it? I don't know. I think growing up, there wasn't very much like knowledge on any mental health stuff Mm -hmm. at all it was just like let things roll off your shoulder Mm -hmm. and stay focused I don't really recall until like high school people started Mm -hmm. talking about mental health but Mm -hmm. yeah I I don't think it I think I had to learn that through like going to counseling when I was 17 and really Mm -hmm. understanding mental health I think it was for sure high school Mm -hmm. where 
I think we had like maybe a seminar about some lady, a lady with psychosis. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't really remember much of like mental health talks at all, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And self-compassion. It's interesting looking back and kind of like reflecting on like so much that was just almost neglected. It's like, mm-hmm. um, I, th- I mean, it would have been really beneficial for teenagers, I feel like, because you're grappling with a lot of emotions and, and fears mm-hmm. and and exciting times so it would have been maybe really beneficial Mm -hmm. to like learn how to take care of yourself in that way yeah and it's a time too when like your body's changing like physiologically like so much is going on and maybe like developmentally you're in like other places and your other students and it's all just so different and but i i feel like now within school curriculums that's really changed from when we were in high school at least i hope Mm -hmm. It's always um, changing, even like yeah. with elementary school stuff. Like I dealt with transphobia with teachers and mm. that doesn't happen now. Like, I mean, it does mm-hmm. happen, but with like the school that mm-hmm. I went to in the beginning, um, mm-hmm. I heard like things are a lot more inclusive. How do you think uh, your family has informed the way you understand self-compassion or, or practice it? I think a huge influence. Like we didn't even yeah. talk about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I things were pretty tough when I was growing up. A lot of the mm-hmm. time, like, I spent by myself um, mm-hmm. with my brother. So, um, so yeah, it wasn't it wasn't talked about very much at all, mm-hmm. really. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it was definitely yeah. something that anything like mental health related, self compassion, which it, like in, turned out to be critical of learning. Mm-hmm. Um, was all done over time yeah with like seeking help um, but not through family or like West Van (laughs) yeah so yeah (laughs) thanks West Van yeah Yeah. (laughs) doing great things yeah Um, no but uh what do you think really informed you the most about self-compassion then um yeah it was it was um when I like started seeing a counselor uh, mm-hmm. I think I was 16 and I had my first girlfriend and I came out and it was just like, mm-hmm. um, I'd never, uh, gone to see help for what my upbringing and, and my coming out experience was also not accepting then. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was my girlfriend at the time. She, uh, like really pushed me to go. And so mm-hmm. it was good, but yeah. Like, it it was that um, initial counselor that really taught me, like, how to take care of myself mentally and that, like, there was no, there was no wrongdoing for feeling what I was mm-hmm. feeling. So that was a good start. Mm-hmm. But yeah, <laughs> that was about yeah. the beginning. How do you think um, things changed for you during COVID with self-compassion? Uh well, it, it was interesting because I was away from home. Mm-hmm. Um, it had been a while, like, since Norway that I was away from home. So it was um, really just being compassionate with myself and sitting with, like, okay, I see that the situation back home is, like, not healthy for me. Um, mm-hmm. And just sitting with, like, uh, yeah, and, like, being like compassionate with myself of like that's a lot what you went through at home 
uh, at work mm -hmm. is too much. <laughs> Coming out the other end, do you think you've learned any positive new um, kind of methods of self-compassion? Something I really worked on was not, um, like getting extra help is not, you're like, you're worthy of getting extra help if you need it. And I didn't feel mm -hmm. worthy. Like I, and my mom has mm -hmm. mental illness that is pretty severe. So, you know, growing up with something that was very s extreme, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I felt like these people need it more than me. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't know. And so uh, I took the step of uh, moving out. I was mm -hmm. finally able to do that. Um, financially, it was a really rough three years <laughs> and yeah um but also even just feeling like confident and strong enough to get a formal diagnosis in in hopes of getting additional maybe more everyday help or something would be awesome um that's a huge mm -hmm. step because i didn't feel worthy of that for a very long time mm -hmm. so yeah i think more like i'm taking actions that are pretty like <laughs> Yeah, getting out there, but it's good. Well, yeah, and taking those steps, they're huge steps, right? And mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad that for you that's, you know, been accessible. How was the, how was the transition with moving? Because were you living with your parents before moving mm -hmm. out? Yeah, I, yeah I, I've been at home a lot because when I was going back and forth between Norway, it was really expensive. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> then, yeah. <laughs> Hard um, to find a place. Yeah, and then when I had top surgery, I lost my job shortly after, so that mm. really sucked. Um, oh, so wow. it was just, yeah, it was just really like a rough time financially. Yeah. So I was, I felt really trapped at home, which yeah. added to the mental health stuff. Oh. Um, Thankfully, with COVID, it actually made moving easier because I was already away for three months and living mm -hmm. with my girlfriend and her family. So mm -hmm. it just was pretty natural, I think, for everyone mm -hmm. uh, to, to move out. I mean, my parents were really excited for me. Mm -hmm. uh, my mom was really excited. Um, and she's like my biggest <laughs> supporter. <laughs> so oh, good. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty easy with COVID. So that was nice. Because mm -hmm. yeah. you're already a little like distant from everybody, and that kind of came into advantage, in a way. Mm -hmm. uh, you also mentioned before um, uh, how after top surgery you lost your job. I don't know if you want to talk about that, but I'm just kind of curious, like what um, what happened there. Um, uh, I yeah. Um, well, I first of all I didn't know what about. Uh, like employment insurance, I didn't know anything about it. So when I had top mm -hmm. surgery, I was literally living on like whatever I had left from Norway. And I already mm -hmm. had like my credit card maxed out, it still is <laughs> from Norway, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I had a like basically for some reason I wasn't getting any shifts scheduled. Um, I asked about it, got no reply. Then randomly I got one shift out of nowhere. And the night before, one of my stitches actually popped out. Um, you're split. Mm. With my surgery, we have two, um, like two permanent stitches that stay in. And they just mm -hmm. like, it's basically like a drawstring and it stays mm -hmm. like this. And then mm -hmm. it basically, the, the knot of the drawstring popped out of, oh. uh, yeah, my chest. Ouch. And so like I had this Ouch. like knot <laughs> out of my body. It wasn't painful or anything, okay. just because uh, I couldn't feel very much. I maybe mm. was like 
three months post-op or no, I mean, right. it was more like six months, mm-hmm. but I had only been working for a little bit because it took a lot, like, again, major surgery. Mm-hmm. So you can only use your arm so often. Um, mm-hmm. But I needed the money, so... <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I got that shift covered and then uh, mm-hmm. had to go to TransCare because I had to explain, like, I can't just go to a hospital tonight because they're going to look at my chest and be like, what happened here? Like, what did you do? What surgery did you have? Like, why? You know, they're not going to necessarily know what to do. So right. I have to go to trans specialty care first thing in the morning. They didn't know yeah. what to do, so they had to call my surgeon. And everything turned out to be fine. But, like, again, it was a whole, like, thing of, like, getting information of what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got that covered, and then I get a text message being like, there's no more shifts for you. Um, yeah, so <laughs> um, wow. didn't get any warning or anything about, like, my performance as a, as a server no warning mm-hmm. or anything um just like and then i was like this is disappointing because i had a medical emergency there was no like are you okay there was no wow. like anything like that um i'm so sorry yeah so it was really shitty so yeah, <laughs> yeah. and oh. then after i was like yo like i had an emergency like where was my warning you know of course i know i would have corrected anything that was uh wrong (laughs) Mm -hmm. um because i value my work because you know Mm -hmm. like i needed the money and um yeah that's what happened yeah so yeah it was a it was a rough rough go yeah were you able to like um make a file a complaint because i don't think they can't do that No. no um i didn't because i feel like i wouldn't have been believed by hr Mm. Because then you need witnesses and, and vouching. Okay. And I just felt like yeah. I wasn't going to get it, so it wasn't worth it. Mm-hmm. And then it just would have made people angry. And then me, like the, I just didn't want to be like the, the angry trans person, you know? Like, so, so yeah, I just um, mm-hmm. was really hurt. And uh, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. And then I left. So, oh, so how are you doing like past that experience? And, I, yeah, I, I had another, like, a weird, like, trans-related um, mm-hmm. restaurant work experience um, later on, like, mm-hmm. and it just really turned me off of, I just can't do it anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure, like, there's a restaurant out there that's very trans-friendly, like, I have met some, but um, it's mm-hmm. really, like, I mean, at that previous work, I dealt with a lot of transphobia like a lot and mm-hmm. I was assaulted and it was just terrible wow. um and not yeah it was fucked and then like mm-hmm. and then this like the, the next one it was just more like um verbal like un- misunderstandings and but it just mm-hmm. really impacts you when like people misgender you in a group of like 12 plus people and it's like oh my gosh you know um mm-hmm. it's so it just it's still like a, it really affects you um into the workspace and you're just so anxious all the time so I, i'm hoping to get like some sort of especially with covid too like be nice to get a, like a safer job mm-hmm. um but yeah maybe some online job or something because i just i just get so anxious now unfortunately like the world we're in right now and where it's at and 
But I mean, with that being said, there is obviously a lot of places that are safe, and I'm glad that yeah. you were able to kind of like redirect and like, hey, like I'm gonna find something that works for me, and like that's not working for me right now. And for sure, that's, that's- I I think I just got really unlucky with my work experience, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, yeah. But I just don't have the capacity to take another chance anymore and i think mm-hmm. that's where i <laughs> self-compassion <laughs> i was like ah, yeah. you know what we're gonna we're gonna redirect and uh, not do that again so so uh yeah totally. so i'm excited to maybe do something that's a little bit more like um yeah like you're a little bit more on your own the the less people the less anxious i am uh that's where mm-hmm. i love like coaching kids like they don't they really don't care so mm-hmm. you know like they're really chill and it's more yeah. like personable. How do you think um, your identity has influenced the way you um, show self-compassion or understand it? Uh, it? You're kind of forced to do it if you wanna, mm-hmm. like I've been put in situations where I didn't think I was gonna make it. And mm-hmm. the only way to keep going was doing so. Mm-hmm. So, um, it heavily influenced it because I don't think I uh, mm-hmm. would have been in those situations if it weren't for my identity as a mm-hmm. trans person. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, self compassion being like coping with the the dysphoria I feel for my body or the social mm-hmm. anxiety I get from entering a new workplace and not really knowing mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Got to go home and you know do something nice for yourself and mm-hmm. play some video games or, you know, like, mm-hmm. I don't know, anything. Um, yeah. So, yeah, like, it heavily impacted it because I, even, like, being an LGBT kid, um, you kind of had to, to to cope with things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Would you like to talk more about, like, your journey with self-compassion in regards to mental health? Sure. That's, yeah, yeah, sure. I think just like, uh, yeah, just really being allowed to feel things and to learn to feel things. um, Yeah, was really like just really being Mm -hmm. patient with yourself. um, Mm -hmm. Because my, I felt like a lot of the time my mental health was not being understood by the environment that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it wasn't talked about. So it was. So I would just get like these bursts of emotion, and irritation, and no sleep. And then you know mm-hmm. it would just be, oh, you just don't sleep well. So um, mm-hmm. just really sitting of like why those things are there, and mm-hmm. that they are, <laughs> they are valid. <laughs> but totally. just really like yeah, I don't know, sitting with those feelings and and um, giving that space to like really feel them. What do you think one of your biggest learnings has been around self-compassion? Uh, just like, I guess how adaptable um, mm-hmm. as a person or as people we can be. So mm-hmm. if something is really stressful and it's overwhelming and you practice some self-compassion, it can get you through things, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when things were really overwhelming, I really grasped with, like anything I could find in the cabinet like a shaving cream or like brush my teeth and like, you know, listen to some funky music, like anything I could find, mm-hmm. um, you know, maybe it was like a weird looking shirt and wearing that to, you know, flatten my chest more. It was really just like the adaptability of 
how you can like work and find your own way of self-compassion and like mm-hmm. as a, a being openly trans on the internet like often mm-hmm. we do live streams or something and talk of, and share of methods of what works with each other it's something that happens a lot mm-hmm. and it's very wholesome so um yeah just i don't know just it's cool to see the adaptability totally. that people can be for their situation do you think um social media has been like a means of self-compassion for you then I think it used to be now it's I mean like it is and it isn't uh mm-hmm. I have a lot of wonderful people on social media mm-hmm. that I've talked to and it's just really nice to see uh other trans athletes or just other people sharing their um mm-hmm. ways of how they take care of themselves as mm-hmm. people so that is like very beautiful and very like heartwarming and wholesome but also mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, there's a lot of garbage people, and they will, like, you know, I get some comments mm-hmm. that are just terrible, mm-hmm. um, and, and DMs that are disgusting, so it's just, like, and that are very triggering, you know, I've had to, like, walk away from my DMs, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I don't really answer them uh, very often because of the triggering things I get asked, Um so in in a lot of ways there is some wonderful it's a tool right so there's some wonderful things on it but also like it also uh people behind their screens can amplify their transphobia through Mm -hmm. this like (laughs) through instagram basically yeah yeah and have you able to like find uh self-compassion during those moments when you're kind of being like targeted on social media by those toxic people um yeah i would like log off and go hang out with my friends um i mean also of course like uh the way that social media was a self-compassion was talking with other trans people and even just Mm -hmm. discussing trans athlete things like opened a little bit about the mental health side of it where people don't talk about the mental health uh side of like being a trans athlete it's more focused Mm -hmm. on whether we belong or not our existence is valid enough um but it's not talked about how that influences our heads (laughs) so like discussing with people within the community or even just like people that aren't in the community that are wanting to talk and learn um is Mm -hmm. awesome but if Mm -hmm. it's but sometimes it can be a lot and i gotta like switch off and like recently Mm -hmm. i've been going through a lot of change and a lot so like i did Mm -hmm. i have been offline uh more so Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I just go hang out with my friends. Again, play some video games, go go for a workout, go to the beach, mm-hmm. go for a nice walk, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, anything to really disconnect for you. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Just to feel grounded again. Yeah. Because, I mean, something can be really triggering, like, very targeted. And uh, <laughs> it's like, I mean, again, I don't care about how these people think because I know these people exist and they always will exist. But it's just more like, ah, you know, like this is triggering. That's just a fact. So it's just like you do need to do things to disconnect for sure. Like Mm -hmm. anything to ground yourself again. Yeah. So would you say like the ability or like practicing like disconnection, do you think that's a form of self-compassion? Yeah, for sure. I mean, everybody's different. I think Mm -hmm. disconnecting from something doesn't have to be like disconnecting from myself it's just like yes 
You know what I mean? Like, disconnecting from social media is totally fine, and that's good. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, just kind of disconnecting from the, the, Mm -hmm. those, I guess, I don't know how you say, (laughs) uh, that, like, triggering environment to then, like, go look at the plants and, like, just really enjoy, like, how pretty Mm -hmm. they are, you know, (laughs) and grounding your, like, grounding yourself in another way and disconnecting from another, I think is pretty good. I don't know. It's worked for me, Mm -hmm. so. So, Raven, um, do you think after this conversation, your perception of self-compassion has changed or um, altered in any way? Uh, I wouldn't say change, but it's it's nice to address directly, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think it's, uh, I don't know, it's maybe nice for, like, just to talk about, yeah, like I said, different ways of how we do that. Or perceptions of self-compassion is nice, you know, because some people may, you know, think about it really, like, a lot, and some people may not, so... I don't know. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it is really good to like make space and talk about it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And also, I want to iterate like, you know, life is good. It's just like, I think, like, for me, my self compassion is really addressing like the things that were tough emotionally totally, to move yeah. forward. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I can't say enough like, life is very good. <laughs> I don't want to sound like a very <laughs> sad person, but yeah, I know, like, shit's been tough, but we, we good, we good, we good. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think self compassion kind of, you know, it, it targets not necessarily the most um, positive parts of, you know, stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it kind of like addresses it. It, it. I mean, it can address it and then so that you can move forward and do yeah. great things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, it turns it into um, maybe a positive experience or whatever else. Um, it brings good to it, but yeah, you know, um, it definitely can be applied to some heavy topics. So For I sure. appreciate you just, you know, being so open and just, yeah, being open through this conversation and just being vulnerable. That's a lot of strength and courage. So thank you. No, thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in and listening to this week's episode with Raven. Um, And we'll see you next week on Compassion and Company.